Welcome to Con Expo Con Ag Radio, where we bring you boots on the ground perspectives from construction business owners and industry experts about their successes, challenges, and whatever else is on their minds. Consider them your own personal mentors on technology implementation, equipment solutions, business management, and more, enabling you to apply their expertise to your business. Held every three years in Las Vegas, Con Expo Con Ag is North America's largest construction trade show. For even more ways to connect with the industry, visit conexpoconag.com forward slash connect. That's conexpoconag.com forward slash connect. We've got another great guest on the show today, so let's dig in. Thank you so much for joining us for another season of Contractor Conversations on ConExpo ConAg Radio. I'm your host, Missy Sherber. This year, we're taking a deep dive into what it takes to be an effective leader in construction. From business development to employee recruitment and retention to enhancing your soft skills, we're here to help you level up. Joining us today is Brian Hess founder and president of The Pavement Group and Top Contractor School. At The Pavement Group, Brian's team takes a data-driven approach to solving customer problems and maintaining the highest level of service. He's taken what he's learned and helps other contractors build more successful businesses through Top Contractor School, a training, coaching, and community platform for both industry newcomers and veterans alike. Today, we'll discuss how training and development is fundamental to business success, as well as building an innovation mindset to see the opportunity everywhere. Brian, welcome to the show. We were having such a compelling pre-conversation. I'm like, we got to jump right into the <laughs> show here. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure and an honor. Thank you. It'll, it'll be a good one. I just did some due diligence, to be honest, on your Instagram over the last 24 hours and was blown away by the many facets that you have going on. And, and the strand that I saw repeatedly was support. You're supporting your team, your family, your contractors. And so I'm very excited for the community to hear from you today. So for those that don't know you, which now they must, <laughs> I'm convinced, why don't you start and give us a little background on how you got into the construction industry and started your business. And this is going to be a two-faceted thing. Uh, let's start first with the industry and the business, and then we'll get into kind of the way you support contractors. Yeah. So an interesting story there. So I, I am from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. That's where I live now. And I was working in corporate America in technology. So I uh, worked for Verizon Wireless. And so I was relocated. I had the option to go to either California or Florida. I chose Florida. And when I arrived in Florida, like the very first challenging customer that we had was a construction company that we owed a lot of back bill credits to. We had a lot, owed a lot of money. And so the manager of my team in Miami was like, Hey man, uh, you know, this, this guy's pretty upset with us. Like, would you be willing to come along for this meeting? And I walk into this, you know, construction company office that gentleman happened to be from Pittsburgh as well. And, you know, as we, we got through the challenging part of our conversation, <laughs> he was like, man, you should quit your job and come work for me. And I'm like, I was like, you know, I, I'm still living in a hotel, man. I, I've only been here for like seven days. I appreciate the offer, but you know, I'm doing pretty well here in, in corporate America. And uh, he said, well, if you won't, if you won't accept my job offer, will you come over for dinner Friday night? And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm heating up stuff in the microwave in the hotel. Yeah, I'm, wow. I'm down for dinner. So 
I went to his house and uh, as I was, you know, driving to his house, I'm like, man, this guy lives in a, in a pretty nice house and, you know, nice neighborhood. Maybe this, this asphalt thing is a whole lot different than what I thought, you know? So <laughs> uh, he had asked me to kind of, you know, help with some of the sales things that he was challenged with inside of his company. And I was like, just trying to be helpful, you know, as a, as a person that was, he was up my customer. Right. Yeah. And so over a period of uh, about a year, we got to know each other pretty well. And lo and behold, a year later, I left my job in corporate America and went uh, to work for that company. And so wow. I knew, you know, I grew up around construction, but I really didn't know a whole lot, but I knew, I knew sales, you know, I knew how to market and sell. And so I stepped into that company and, and that company grew significantly. And, you know, and then there was just a point where I, I knew that um, I, I needed to, to go do my own thing to create a culture that you know, was mine, you know, that I could uh, create and welcome people into. And, you know, that's kind of where the, the journey began. Awesome. So what would you say, like, I just want to hone in on that a little bit. Like, what would you say the biggest transition or change you made to that company? I think sales and marketing is a pain point for a lot of contractors. And I think it's would be so valuable to really tap into that this time that we have together. So if, if one came to mind, what was a big transition maybe you made for this, for this asphalt contractor you're working for? Yeah, I think, I think it's creating a sales and marketing and customer service culture. Right. And, and that is um, something that, you know, it doesn't exist in every company in our industry. And that is, it's a real differentiator when companies are able to get it right to really design every process, every procedure, everything that you do should be you know, around creating a better experience for the, for the customer. And, yeah. you know, sometimes we overlook that because we're so used to, you know, what we do is complicated. There's so many things that could go wrong. We deal with challenges that other industries don't have, like weather and equipment breakdowns and all the things that go along with that. And sometimes we forget that the customer is tied to those challenges too. Uh, so it was, you know, kind of recreating a culture that was really focused on that high level of customer service and creating a sales and marketing organization that happens to, to pave parking lots. Right. Yep. Um, and, and that is, it's a major shift. It's a, and it, it, that was, you know, a company that was 40 years old at the time. So it was, you know, a, a company that was pretty seasoned. And so it's difficult to make those transitions. Uh, one of the things that I always say to, to company owners that I coach today is like, the key to that is evolution, not revolution. You know, we tend to be pretty forceful also in construction and <laughs> yeah. that doesn't work. It, it pushes people the wrong direction. So it's, it's important to put that in, you know, install the new culture, but allow it to take shape, you know, over a period of time and don't push too hard. You have to push, but just don't push too hard. I think that's great advice because it's a very new concept within the construction industry. So like for us, one of the huge light bulb moments I had this year for our business is our operators are salesmen. I'm oh. like, oh my gosh, these homeowners are walking over and John, one of our lead operators, quiet guy. I mean, just wants to get in that machine and do a perfect job. The homeowners over talking to him every other day and loved his work so much that booked us for another job. And I'm like, I wasn't involved in that sales process at all. And I lead business development. <laughs> oh my goodness. Our operators are salesmen. So I'm like thinking, how do we train them and empower them to be salespeople, which is very strange in our industry to even think through, but you saw that right away with your background. 
yeah. which is awesome. That was, it was all I knew, right? So yeah, uh, yeah. I say this often, you know, I, I had the, the privilege of not knowing enough in my first year <laughs> uh, that I couldn't talk about the technical aspects of construction that everybody else was talking about. And yeah. so my sales interactions were just genuinely asking people what their problems were and, and what they wanted to solve. And I heard the same, you know, pattern of challenges and frustrations from customers. And so I just focused on building every process inside of our company around solving those exact problems through technology, through process, through communication, through everything that we do. And um, it works, right? Because everybody seems to have the same three to five challenges with contractors. And if you are able to create a culture and an environment that, that focuses in and puts those problems at ease for them, uh, you're going to, you're going to win a lot of work. Absolutely. So then I'll talk about, so you move, did you move back to Pennsylvania right away? So you'd kind of decided I, I need to do this on my own, which was, I'm sure a very natural, you know, evolution and progression yeah. uh, for you. So tell us about that big moment, like the light bulb moment, I'm doing this on my own and, and the steps that followed after that, when you started the pavement group. Yeah. So it, you know, it's funny. We just talked about this this morning on my podcast that those emotions that you get, you know, no, no matter how confident you are in your abilities to be able to sell, you know, so I've been in sales my whole life. So I Same. knew that sales <laughs> would be, you know, an easy thing, but there's so much to it. And, you know, at the time I had uh, three children and so, you know, there's a lot of risk and a lot of pressure and a lot of anxiety that goes along with that. And, you know, that, that happens whether you're opening a brand new business or maybe reinventing the one that you have, right? You know, we're talking about maybe installing a sales and marketing culture. You would have that same anxiety, right? Because you're, you're almost relaunching the same business over again. And exactly. so, you know, it, it was mostly feelings of anxiety, but in a good way. Like I knew that, I knew that that would push me, you know, the analogy that I used this morning is I felt like the first few years I was running from a bear you know? and, <laughs> and now I feel like I'm running from a bear, but I'm much better conditioned to run, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, that eases itself as you create success, you create stability. And over a long period of time, you keep doing the same things over and over again. You create discipline, you create a culture, you're very intentional about every aspect of your business. And those things go, they start to go away, right? Uh, yeah. But that, that anxiety is a good thing. You know, mm -hmm. that, that nervousness is what drives you. And one of the things that, that I'll never forget, uh, and I still remind myself to this day, is like, you will never know exactly who you are until it's all on your shoulders, right? Yeah. Until it's all yours. And then you will be introduced to the person that you really are capable of being because wow. you have to put it all out there yeah. um, to become successful. And the more uncomfortable you allow yourself to be, the faster you become successful. And so um, that was something, you know, I'm thankful for all the people that I was able to have as mentors through that journey of, hey, do this, don't do that. Um, it's, it's one of the reasons that I started Top Contractor School was to like you know, help other contractors avoid some of those things to create a community that contractors could exist in where they didn't have to feel that crazy, uh, massive anxiety all the time. They could have, you know, a, a group of people that would help them through some of the challenges that they face right out of the gate. That's awesome because as business owners, you almost get comfortable functioning from a place of anxiety. And at some point you realize this isn't healthy. Like, 
it, it almost like seeps into your culture, right. Of, of your team. And then you're like, wait a minute, like, yes, that's gotten us to where we are that weight and that running from the bear as you described it, which is great. Um, but at some point you have to get at ease with your position and your in and placement in the business and, and want your team to take on not running from the bear. I don't want all y'all running from the bear. (laughs) So tell me with the pavement group, you started that. It sounds like you had mentors in place, like talk us through the success of that business and then how that led you into starting top contractor school. So uh, the pavement group is a national asphalt paving and concrete company. So we do business all over the country. So it was kind of almost at the same time, those two, you know, because I knew that uh, we needed subcontractors to be able to execute the work. And so to me, it was like, what, what better way to build great relationships and to have subcontractors that are, that are doing exceptional work than to be able to give back to them by, you know, training them and helping them grow their local businesses while we give them Uh, the work that comes from our national clients. Um, So, you know, at the pavement group, we, we literally set out to just solve those three to five problems that I was talking about. It was really simple. It's like, man, if we can just do this, we can get in front of enough customers. We can implement the technology that we know it takes to solve some of these problems. Mm -hmm. And we know we're going to be successful. It's just a matter of time. Right. Yeah. And so that was, uh, you know, we, we founded the business, based on people, right? Yeah. You know, just really focusing on people. You know, one of the things that you'll see in a lot of our social media posts, it says, um, follow our journey, join our mission. And, and that is intentional to want to bring people along for the that. ride, right? Yeah. We want you to feel part of it. And that doesn't, it doesn't matter whether you work for us, whether you're supporting us, whether you like a post, um, you tell a friend about our company. It's about, you know, bringing people into that journey. And I, I really want the people within our company to feel that too, right? Like a a family environment that extends far beyond just the employees in our company. We want to become part of the communities that we're in. We want to support those communities, give back to them. And we want those people to be able to have just a tremendous amount of pride for what they're doing and who they work for and, and what they're part of. And I think that that, that whole idea of just, simply focusing on solving the biggest problems, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I think that's something that uh, we were joking this morning on, on the podcast that I did with one of my friends, like he started his business in the communication space, uh, which I used to be in. Yeah. And it was literally founded the exact same way. It was like, he knew that there was this massive problem. He started a business to solve it and it's been incredibly successful. And so wow. You know, I think that that's, that's a, a big piece of construction is that we don't just do whatever it is that we do. We don't just pour concrete. We don't just pave parking lots. We don't just, you know, excavate. Um, mm-hmm. We have to solve the problems that exist for those people or yeah. we're not really doing our jobs, right? We, or we're getting paid to do something, but we're missing a big piece of the whole experience uh, that, that a customer really wants to have. Right. Uh, but a lot of times in construction, I think that they, they lower their expectations because true. Uh, they, they have never had that experience with a construction company. And so that's, that's what we're focused on every single day doing is literally that. creating an experience to it. And we've been able to do that uh, from, from start to finish. We have the entire customer journey from the time that they call our office or put a lead in our, on our website to the time that they send us a check and cash it and what happens after that, 
how we reconnect with them to keep them part of our family. Yeah. Uh, that's all scheduled and defined, right? That is phenomenal. And I think that it's, it's important and it's, it's a level of customer service that is really needed in our industry, you know, and, yes. and there are a lot of companies out there that are doing a great job in our industry, but it's, how do we forget about how it's always been done yeah. and just focus on solving the problem? We just went through an exercise on the operation side of our business. And I was the quiet person in the room, just sitting, listening to everyone. And I, and I kind of stopped us and said, Hey, what we're doing here is we're, we're just kind of duplicating what's always been done. Let's not do that. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's take it all off the table and let's put it all back together the way that we want to do it. Right. Yeah. The, the way that's going to work for our customers and our team and, and what fits our culture, because the way that it's always been done, there's some pieces certainly that it has to be done that way. Yeah. There's a lot that you can change uh, and create innovation that, that provides a level of service that's brand new to customers. Absolutely. And to me, it's the differentiation because it's like how I've, I've asked the question, how do we set ourselves apart as excavators? There's one of 12 of us bidding on this project. I want to become the one bidding on this project, the one the customer counts on. And, and for us, it's been a unique thing to bring experience into excavation. Like we're the dirt work, we're the foundation, it gets covered up. Nobody cares, right? The, the, the photo at the end is the finished house, the finished building. And I'm like, how can we really create an experience where the customers want to be there for the groundbreaking? They want to be there and see the hard work that goes into being the structural integrity of a building. And it's been challenging to bring that into the industry, but you're absolutely right. It works. And it's such a huge differentiation for your company, customer experience. They, they connect with people. And yeah, that, that's the truth. Like, you know, nobody's going to connect with the pavement group logo uh, yeah. or our website or your company, right? Yeah. But yeah. they will connect when you tell the story of who you are, where you came from, why you're passionate about what you do, how you're going to solve their problems. They can connect with those people and say, man, I, I want to meet that person. You know, I want to be there uh, for the start of this project because I actually want to meet this person that I've been following online or I've been, you know, I checked out your website and I saw this cool video of you guys talking about the history of your company. And, you know, it's, there's so many storied companies in our industry um, that underutilize those stories because they're either afraid to get on camera, which is uncomfortable for everybody when you first uh, start doing it. But there's so much genuine gold in that story of like, you know, there's, there's companies that are third, fourth generation, right. Yeah. In, in the construction space and not telling that story uh, is, is robbing your customers of the true value of your company, of your company. And so, you know, that, that is something we are passionate about is like, we're going to try to do a better job in 2021 of a day in the life. Like, what does it actually look like? How do we go estimate jobs? What do those conversations sound like if a customer is comfortable with sharing it? Because there's education in that, right? And so the educated customer is the best customer. I love that you're going to bring more storytelling into it. And you're talking about it from a customer experience, you know, perspective, but also this is one of your philosophies on workforce development. Talk to us about your philosophy on workforce development when it comes to recruitment and retention, because you brought up, you know, in, in our conversation that, that it starts with living transparently and telling your story. So tie that in for us to workforce development, the big buzzword in our industry right now. 
I think it's so big. Uh, one of the things that I've been saying recently, you know, cause we get really busy in our, in our industry. And so I am, you know, on social media a lot. I do a podcast. I'm, I'm pretty public. And so, you know, every day I'm doing a podcast in the morning, that message gets to my team. So even if I'm not interacting with, you know, an individual on my team for a period of time, they're still getting coaching from me, right? They're still, they're still seeing, you know, that I'm spending time with my family. They're still seeing the things that I do, even though I may not be interacting with them one-on-one. You know, I think that that transparent storytelling, like being yourself, like going out there, putting yourself out there on social media, it attracts like-minded people. You know, no one is going to want to come work for me if they're a fairly negative person, because if they follow me, they're going to see that I'm, I'm quite the opposite of that. That's not going to be comfortable for them. And so what I've found over, and, and I, I say this often, but I, a lot of the things that I've figured out were by accident, right? Like you just do stuff for a period of time and then you start to figure things out as a result of that. And so over a couple of years of being very public on social media, I've started to realize, like, I look around me and most of the people that are around me are a lot like me. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're, they have, they have the same goals. They have the same vision. They have a, a similar mindset. They want to get, you know, they either want to get to where we are or they're already there and they want another piece of kind of what we're doing. But it's when you live transparently, you know, in that online space on social media, you're going to attract a lot of those people. And so wow. workforce development and recruiting comes from so many different angles. And if you are looking to attract like-minded people, or you're looking, you know, you have a person on your team who's an exceptional employee, tell their story on social media, and there will likely be other people that eventually watch that video that say, man, I'm a lot like that guy. Maybe I should work there. Yeah. And and so uh, we were hiring for three positions this off season. And I, I put a, you know, just put a post out on all social platforms, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And we had 82 applicants in wow. 72 hours. So no workforce problem in that moment. <laughs> no. And, 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 you know, we have, we kind of create a different problem, right? Of yeah. like, how do we get through all of these and figure out the right person to hire? But it's, it's, wow. it becomes easier because you're creating a culture that people can sense online, right? Yeah. They, they can connect into that and they can follow along. They can follow your journey yeah. and see exactly what it's all about. And they, they, you're not going to have those people that come and say, man, why did I end up in this place? This is nothing like me because they see everything yeah. that's going on. What a simple solution to the workforce problem is telling your story and living with transparency. Like that to me, we're, I, I guess what you just kind of my light bulb moment when you were talking is we're complicating this problem. We're making it so big and we're thinking in all these different veins and rivers and valleys on how we solve the workforce problem. And, and really it's as contractors, humanizing what we do, telling our story, being transparent and 82 applications yeah. come in. What a like, wow. So let's use that to transition to another topic I was excited to talk to you about because so let's say we, we take this incredible wisdom that you're sharing with us. We, we get more authentic online in 2021. We start telling our story, living transparently, we retain or recruit some great staff members. 
I'd say that brings us to the next consistent challenge as contractors that we face, which is training our people. What problems can business owners expect when they hire people to fill voids? And, and what's a good strategic plan behind that age old step two of the problem is training, right? It's like, these are the two buzzwords and I, I love your perspective on it. So what do you got? You know, from my experience in, in training, it is usually there's, there's a couple things that happen. Usually we are throwing people at a problem uh, as opposed to, you know, kind of forecasting where we're going and, and, you know, bringing people in, in advance of the challenge, we're usually being reactive and trying to solve a problem with people. Right. And so what happens is when the problem already exists and you bring people into your business, there's a level of pressure and that pressure eliminates the possibility of good training. Um, it, it, it doesn't make it possible because you are trying to get this person to solve a problem that exists right now, right? Like I need this problem to go away right now. So how am I going to do that? Um, it is, it, it just creates a chain reaction. And so what we find that happens is that those people, number one, we might be hiring the person that's not the best fit because we're under pressure. We're looking for, uh, we're looking for the very best in someone instead of seeing who they truly are. And so as a chain reaction, that person doesn't get training. They may not fit our culture. And so now we've got people inside of what could be a great culture that start to erode that because they're unhappy and as they should be, they haven't received the right training. Um, they're probably not in a place that they feel at home, right? They're, they're with people that they probably don't belong with um, and it creates this chain reaction problem. And so uh, what we have tried to do is, um, you know, create an online training platform and an online training community uh, that allows people to tap in and get the knowledge and feel part of the industry and build friends that are outside of their own company so that when they have the challenges, you know, one of, one of the things as being a business owner in the first year, I, I had several people that I would call like in the worst situations. And I'm like, dude, this is crazy. Like, you're not going to believe what's happening. And, you know, I'm like, just stressed out. And at the end of the conversation, they would say, um, that's it. Yeah. That's happened to me like 25 times. <laughs> and, and so you feel a lot better about yourself at the end of the conversation, but, and realize that all of these things we go through are very normal, Yeah. but you don't feel like that when it's you. And so, you know, training is a compounding problem if you allow it to be in your organization. And, and, you know, one of the quotes that I love is training isn't something you did. It's something you do. Like it's all the time, right? Because everything's changing. What you taught your people last year will not work this year in some facets of business. Like, you know, if you're still selling the same way as you did in 2015, you're not going to win because there's a lot of different methods, a lot of different systems, technology, things that you can use to make that process easier to improve the experience of it for people. And so training is the foundation of everything. And I think that it is a way underutilized thing in our industry because most companies, how do they start? Somebody's successful. So they go into business for themselves. And then at some point they have massive growth. You know, the companies that last the test of time, when they have that massive growth, they start throwing people at the problem and, and the cycle repeats itself. And so our idea was how do we help owners 
you know, eliminate this, this ongoing problem. And we believe that we could do it by creating this community and by, you know, having an online platform that people could tap into to get some of the information that they need. That is, um, it's such a critical piece of our business that I think so many companies struggle with. Yeah. What's a natural step? Like, so let's say you're in that moment where you're under a lot of pressure, you've got to hire and fill that position. What's a natural step an owner can take in that moment? You know, um, I, I know we went through that this summer where, you know, under pressure of COVID and everything, I, I made this hiring decision, great, talented person who now, you know, works for a friend and, it, but it wasn't a fit for us at that time. And I just, I couldn't get this square to fit in the circle. Right. And, and she was such a great, talented person. And I'm wondering in that moment, I remember the moment I have to hire someone. I'm going to hire her, saw the good, felt the disappointment after and the frustration. What could I have done in that moment? Like just a natural step to take, you know, cause I know a lot of, are experiencing that with, with this past year. I, you know, I, I think that um, a lot of that is eliminated for me by what I just described, which is, you know, we don't, we don't really find ourselves in that position that much, yeah. you know, like we're, we're attracting the right people a lot more, you know, and, and I don't say you, you just hit the nail on the head, like, because you don't hire someone or because somebody doesn't work out in your business, it doesn't mean they're a bad person or they're not talented or, but they're just not right for your business. And so I think that the one thing that solves that problem is that you always have to be recruiting in the back of your mind. You always have no different than you always have to be filling your, your sales funnel. You always have to be filling the recruiting funnel because if you allow that to dry up and you start from scratch, it, it creates another complication to an already complicated problem. And you're going to end up hiring someone that probably doesn't belong because of the sense of urgency versus, and the, the other thing is trying to hire people that are already employed is, is a big thing for us. Like we don't want to be hiring people that don't have a job because that, that puts us in a spot to have to hire them right now where maybe they're a great fit, but they're a great fit down the road. So, you know, keeping those options open, those are usually the most talented people, you know, the people who are already working, right? Not to say that that's always the rule. I've hired people who were unemployed that were extremely talented, but, you know, most people that are elite performers, they're not out looking for jobs. People are recruiting them away. And so we try to, by telling our story, by being transparent, by being in front of people all the time, we try to create that natural attraction uh, to those elite people. And then when I see somebody out there, I've had many conversations with elite people that didn't join our team, but I'm always planting those seeds. And you never know when you plant that seed, two, three years down the road, somebody might have their own business right now. And they might decide that that's, that's not for them anymore. And where are they going to go? They're going to go to the place that, that reached out to them, hopefully. And uh, that's, that's how we try to approach it is you know, always being out in front of it, always having a full funnel, always keep your eyes open because, you know, if you're in that kind of growth mode for your company, you always have to have people, you know, on the bench, if you will, that are ready yeah. to go in the game. I love that strategy. I think that is definitely where, where I missed it in that moment is I started looking right when I had the need rather than, you know, even with our drivers, I, I, it, this was for an office staff position, but for our drivers, you know, Rindy, our lead customer service rep, who's very great on the phones. I'm like, anytime a driver calls, I want to interview him. She's like, really? We're not hiring right now. 
I don't care. I, I want a folder so that when Trevor's ready to buy another truck and another two trucks, I've got the folder. I've met them. They're already excited about us. The minute we call, they'd be, they'd jump over and work for us. I just have not been thinking that way with our office staff. And yep. that's phenomenal, phenomenal tip there. It's very helpful. And you're right. The elite performers are working. They're out there hustling. So yeah. think about that. So how does a structured training plan help with the overall business growth? I think it creates predictable results is the biggest thing that I would say is, you know, that people, people make mistakes when they don't know what to do. They don't make mistakes when they know what to do. And, and, you know, there's still going to be times where they, they forget to follow the process. They shortcut the process. But if you have a process in place that is well-trained, well-reviewed, uh, you know, constantly being coached, that structure makes people comfortable. You know, when you don't have structure, it makes people uncomfortable and people are uncomfortable and they have a bad day at work. There's a much higher chance that they're going to look for another place to go or they, they go home and they say something to their spouse about what happened and how disorganized the company and it charges it. it creates a chain reaction um, that's not good for your culture. It's not good for turnover. And that, that structured training program of just knowing what to do, right? Like when this happens, this is what you do. And, you know, we don't have all of that figured out either, but we're always working on it. We're always trying to add to, you know, what is our standard operating procedure? We implemented new technology this year. And so we go back and we define that. And then we put that on video and we add that to our platform so that people can go in and watch it over and over and over again. Uh, one of the things that we have is a, you know, a sales process that's very defined. That is all on video. So like if you're going into a meeting and you need to know, you know, what is the right questions to ask this customer? You can literally just go on there and watch this video in the parking lot before you go into the meeting. Wow. And so it gives you, you know, if you're not feeling confident that day, maybe that video helps you feel a little bit more confident, just a refresher, right? What am I supposed to be doing here? What's, what's the actual mission of this meeting that I'm about to walk into? And if I can get that constantly being repeated to them, they can't not learn it, right? It's just a matter of time as to how long they learn it. And that, to me, that is what it, that, that's, it gives them a level of comfort, right? That uh, they cannot achieve any other way and they can't get predictable results doing things a different way every single time. Yeah. So you really look at training as a way to give them comfort, confidence, and, and not be complacent kind of where they're at, but to give them that anytime they need a jump start, it's right here and it's proven. This is proven to work. Let us guide you with that. I think that's just phenomenal and makes me think, wow, Trevor's not keen on being on video, but he is such a smart businessman and he's a phenomenally talented operator. And I'm like, I wish we could take your principles of operating. They're just tried and true and they work and, and train our, all of our guys with, with kind of the way you've thought through things. So he might have to get comfortable with video and I'm going to tell him Brian said, <laughs> there's, there's lots of other ways too. You know, you don't, yeah. um, you can, you can record stuff and then do a voiceover recording if you're not comfortable being on video. You know, you don't, you don't have to do it a certain way every time it's, yep. you know, evolve into it, but it's, it's so critical, you know, and, and I think that people have been to so many places in their careers most of the time that haven't given them good training or yeah. haven't been supportive. And so, you know, the other thing I would say is like, you're not just training people to work, you're training people to live too. Like, 
you know, how do you, how do you make their lives better? Not just give them yeah. a job and a paycheck, but like, how do you make them feel better? How do you, um, you know, bring their families into the fold and like welcome their families into your company and make them part of it? Uh, you know, any, any way that you can do that, it helps them, you know, if you can help people at home, you're going to help them at work. That's huge. And yeah, that is, um, it's, it's something we talk about with property owners and managers. You know, our job is to get them home to their families uh, with less stress working with us than some other company. And it, yeah. It's the same for our employees. I don't want my employees going home every day, being stressed out about, you know, all the work that they have to do. It's my job to solve those problems and to offer them the training that make them feel more at ease. And that creates a culture of no, that nobody wants to leave. Yeah. That, that is to be the ultimate retention strategy, right? Is their lives are progressively becoming better. Their financial position is better. Their relationships are better. Why would you ever want to leave? Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, because it's, hard times are real. Like that's just tough days are, are going to happen, but I, I love that you're bringing that. And so to me, what I've heard are two differentiations as a contractor. One is customer experience. And two is this training that you're talking about that really is formed around predictable results and retention that, that keeps your people around. So let's talk about one more thing that, that I was also excited to explore. You truly have like an innovation growth mindset. And I think, you know, when you're owners, operators, you, you can kind of get stuck in the day to day that you're not coming up for air and like focusing on what's next in the big picture. Um, many contractors are still running their business the same way they did 15 years ago. How would you describe a growth and innovation mindset? And what do you think stops most people from unlocking their true potential? Big, big double whammy. I think, you know, the, the innovation and growth mindset, I think is something that you develop over a period of time by life, you know, doing something and finding those small wins and finding, you know, finding the right feedback from your customers, right? Like, you know, you, you try something, it really solves a problem. So you want to do it more. Uh, you know, for us, it's been, you know, solving the problem at a very simple level, like, you know, without any technology, we just focused on the problem. That was a really difficult way to do it. You know, it took a long time. How do we, how do we take now what we know is a solution and make it easier? So how do we innovate uh, by using what we know is a problem and using technology to solve it, right? So we solved the problem. We created another one by uh, taking the long way to to fix it, right? Like, you know, doing the old fashioned, you know, uh, analysis by spreadsheets versus an automated <laughs> system. And so I think that, uh, you know, growth and innovation mindset comes mostly from being around other people that have it. For me, you know, it's it's who you surround yourself with matters. They, they always say, you know, look at your five closest friends, you know, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And I think that's true. Um, I think that a lot of times in construction, we are too siloed. Like, you know, we only have other friends that are construction guys. You know, we work with so many different contractors and we don't take the time to get outside of our industry. I think for me, that's, that's been um, a huge, huge shot in the arm as far as, you know, getting the right people. You know, a lot of the social media stuff that we were talking about before we got on here I learned that from people that don't have anything to do with construction, you know, but how do we take those ideas that are working in other industries and mold them in 
uh, to our industry that creates growth and innovation. And, and, and I would add this to owners that are out there listening and thinking like, well, you don't always need to be growing. Two things. Number one, you're either growing or you're dying, right? Yeah. Like you're either going forward or you're going backward. There is no standing still. Um, and people want to work for companies that are growing. They don't want to work for companies, you know, uh, that, that want to have a 3% increase this year. That's not exciting. That doesn't get people out of bed. And they want to work for, you know, the younger workforce wants to work for a company that's innovating. And, you know, that is, um, it's, it's been a great recruiting tool for us. It's been a great retention tool. When we provide people with the right technology, the right tools, their, their job gets easier and their life gets better. And, you know, I think uh, that is critical. And then what was the last question? The, the last part of the question, which I think you really answered the first one, just phenomenally on how you describe kind of the growth and innovation mindset. But what do you think stops people from developing that mindset or unlocking their true potential? I think they don't see far enough out in front or, or they're just afraid because it's uncharted territory for them. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, you know, I kind of answered it by saying like, you know, who you surround yourself, you gotta, you gotta plug yourself into people. And it's, you know, again, it doesn't mean that you lose the friends or the contacts that you have now, but man, it, it has been such a gift for me to be able to, you know, top contractor school, I, I created to help other people, but the help that I've gotten myself by, you know, having really intelligent and motivated and visionaries uh, yeah. that are in our industry in that group has propelled our business uh, and it's propelled everybody's business. It's about plugging in to those people and, and not, you know, not thinking that that's a bad thing. You know, some of our industry, you know, kind of has that old school mindset. When you were talking about uh, your hiring challenge this year, that that's kind of the way it's always been done. Yep. Right? Absolutely. And, and so, you know, challenging that within yourself, within your company, like we don't have to do it the same way as it's always been done. It's an uncomfortable thing to do. Uh, we certainly still do a lot of things the way it's always been done, but we try to challenge that as often as we can because that's where innovation and growth comes from. I love that. I think that's great. And and you're saying kind of really who you surround yourself by could make a quick impact on if you're if you're trying to have a better growth mindset, um, get around the right people. You know, one of the things we're trying to do right now is we're reaching out to these like legacy companies, like these legacy excavation contractors, like really big reach for us over here, but we want to be there one day. And so we're like, how can we support you on, on public in public work? We're a woman and minority owned business. And really our intention is we just want to get around you and your people. We want to learn from you. We want you to be in our circle and I think you just nailed it. Like the five people you surround yourself with. My dad used to always say that growing up and you kind of roll your eyes as a teenager. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to pick my friends. But they you get hit smarter it. every year, right? <laughs> but you just like, just hit it perfectly. I, I think another thing that you also talk about that could be a challenge for a lot, you said was say that one of the biggest challenges is not listening to the doubters and the naysayers. Give us a little um, kind of closing home run on that because I have had a lot of DMS and I personally have struggled with this myself is, and I had a call phone call about this this morning, letting go of, of the naysayers, the crit, the criticism, the it's always going to be there. And I think it hinders a lot of, a lot of people. 
Uh, what was your, what would be your advice there? Yeah. And, and it did me for a long time. Uh, you know, it's, it's easy to, it's easy to listen. Uh, it's a lot more difficult to create that self-confidence and self-discipline that, that allows you to know exactly who you are and to realize that, you know, none of us are perfect beings, you know, yeah. we are, we are born to be imperfect yeah. and, you know, getting comfortable with that and understanding that, you know, the, the more you do, the more action you take, the more doubters and naysayers there's going to be. That's a sign of, of doing the right things. Now there's a balance there. Like, you know, some people say, Oh, you know, haters are a good thing. Well, you know, if you're piling them up everywhere, that's probably not a good <laughs> thing. Right. Uh, but there's always going to be people. And, and, you know, I think it's important to note too, that sometimes those people are the closest people in your life that care about you the most. Um, you know, in, in my case, uh, my own family was very nervous about me opening this business. And that's difficult to hear from, you know, the people that you love the most that care about you the most. Uh, it, it really creates a lot of doubt in your own mind, but you know, in, in our industry too, this is a problem that exists because of that old new school divide, you know, and some of that doubt will come from people that just don't understand how you're doing it. And so, you know, I've learned to just, I don't take that stuff personally. Um, I just know that they don't understand exactly how I think, and I don't understand exactly how they think, you know, it's a, it's not, it's not that they don't like you. It's that they don't understand exactly what you're doing um, most of the time. And, you know, it, it will not get you anywhere to constantly be frozen in fear of what if, you know, what if I fail? You know, the, the people that I know that have been the most successful have, have failed over and over again. They have tremendous stories of failure. And so do I, you know, over the years, there's a million times that I've been told no, or that it hasn't gone the way that I wanted it to. And, and don't allow those people that, that might doubt you or that might say that combined with that fear to stop you from doing something because you're stealing your own future by something that probably is never going to happen anyway. And so for me, it's been, it's been just realizing that, you know, they just don't understand you and, and that's okay. Not everybody is supposed to, you know, lean into that. Um, when you can look yourself in the mirror and know that, you know, you keep a lot of promises to yourself and to the people around you and that you do good every day, you, you try to leave it all on the, out on the field and, and you work to the whistle every day, you do all the right things. Those people's opinions matter a lot less. When the doubt really gets you, at least for me, was when I looked in the mirror and I didn't like that guy as much as I do today. And so- yeah. I would tell you, you know, if you struggle with that, start with yourself, right? Because it's, it's something within yourself that allows that weakness to be exposed. It'll always bother you. But when you get more confident, you get, you keep more promises to yourself, that period of time that you worry about that will get less and less, uh, and it'll be much less. It will make you freeze a lot less than it used to. Absolutely right. I think we, you know, for me personally, I've just started focusing on pouring so much love into what we do. Gosh, I, I love so much what we do and our people and the passion. And the more I've focused on that, like you said, looked in the mirror, 
you know, I had an experience, a hater naysayer experience in the spring that shut me down for almost a month. And my husband and so my mentors were like, where are you? What's going on? Like, stop, move on. I had another experience a few weeks ago that was disappointing. and, And I was like, I'm giving myself one day because this doesn't change the love I have for what we do, how we're going to do it and the difference we're going to make. And, and you're right. It's looking in the mirror. It's not getting caught up in the people and what did they say and how, and no, you matter. Your vision matters. Your purpose matters. The more you're focused on that. I think that's great advice. I know a lot of contractors struggle with this up and coming contractors, right? We're young. We have different ideas. And when you look up to big contractors and you get that kind of feedback, you're like, Oh, what? But you're right. They should, it shouldn't be, it should be like that. That's how it's meant to be. Right. That's part of the process of innovation. Now that we're friends, we're going to get that down to one hour. Okay. (laughs) I'm in (laughs) sign me up for the program. Like that's already happening. So let's end it before our rapid fire round. I have to, have to, have to hear a quick uh, review on your two favorite books that you brought up, have not heard of either, read why you liked him and was like on Amazon ordering both. Beyond Positive Thinking by Dr. Robert Anthony and Chop Wood Carry Water by Joshua Metcalf. <laughs> wow, titles are already amazing, but tell us quick why you like those two books. Yeah, so Beyond Positive Thinking was a book that I kind of stumbled upon uh, and it, it genuinely changed the trajectory of my life because it helped me it helped me understand not just what I think, but why I think it uh, and the patterns. Uh, and I and I learned that you have the ability to control those things that you think. And and so uh, one of the things I would tell you going back to the doubters thing is like how you feel in this moment does not determine how you feel in the next. You get to choose that. And and so when you start to unwire why you think the way that you think, you know, like, so if a large contractor says something to you, like it, it helps you to unwire why you're reacting the way that you do. Like, what is it that's triggering these thoughts? And, and so what it, it just simplifies everything and helps you understand how you think, right? Because it's fine to say like, I want to be a positive person. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to tell myself all of these things. Well, that's all great until something bad happens. Now you need to understand you know, how did you get to that point of feeling not so great? And how do I not let that happen next time? And so that book, there's, you're going to love it. It, uh, I've sent it to dozens of people. You know, it's my favorite book to kind of send to people uh, when, when I meet them and I feel like that would be a book that would help them, but it, it really helps you understand yourself. uh, And it helps you understand other people too. Like why do people, you know, when you know your husband, like you're going to, that book will help you understand. And so it's helped my marriage tremendously. It's helped me in business tremendously just to be able to, you know, we all shake our heads sometimes and say like, why are somebody doing X, Y, Z? And like, (laughs) when you take the time to actually think about it in some way, shape or form, it makes sense to that person, you know, and and that disconnect can be solved just by uh, educating yourself. And it starts with reading those types of books. And chop wood, carry water. Um, <laughs> it is purely the idea of mastering your craft uh, and what it takes to do that. And um, I don't want to ruin the book for anybody, but the idea is, is that uh, it is not the fancy things that will make you great. 
Uh, it is the things that you do every single day over a long period of time that condition you to be the very best that you can be, to, to constantly find those things about yourself that are, that are gifts that you can share with other people. And um, we all live in a society that wants to get places so quickly. And um, that book will explain to you why it's important to take the long road. That was the ultimate finale and mic drop. <laughs> right there. <laughs> Couldn't have thought of a better statement to end it on that I feel like will help so many people. I'm really grateful for this time we had with you. This, this was different than any episode we've done. And I hope opens mindsets in a different way. I just want to, I'd like to end by just saying what stuck out to me the most and then we'll do the fun part of the rapid fire round. But I, I just think what stuck out to me are the differentiations you talked about customer experience, which in contracting is a new, a new thing to think about. Always be recruiting, training, growth mindset, mastering your craft and focus on, on your, on your thinking, your patterns of thinking. Those are the kind of the things that really helped me today and are making me want to dig deeper. So thank you so much for sharing your wealth and wisdom. So let's do something a little fun that we like to do. It's called our rapid fire round. We're going to go quick. What was your first job? Newspaper carrier, 11 (laughs) years old. 11, 11, 11. First car Mazda RX seven. Okay. If you weren't doing this, what would you be doing? Um, Probably a pastor. I like it. I could totally see that. I'm a pastor's daughter, so I could definitely <laughs> I could see that for sure. What song gets you pumped up? It depends on the day. Uh, it depends on the day. Jay-Z is a, is a good go-to for me. Yeah. Depends on the day. It could be country. It could be rap. It could be anything. It just depends on the day. Who is one person you wish you could have dinner with? My grandfather. What is your dream piece of equipment? I would say definitely a milling machine. You know, at some point it's like one of those things that's out there. Any paving guys like, man, that's like kind of the, the point where, you know, you made it, you know, yeah. <laughs> what do you predict will be the biggest disruptor for your business in the next five years? Technology, every, Tech. every aspect, uh, yep. innovation and technology for sure. Awesome. Well, I love this time we had together. I hope it helps many. What are the channels that our community can follow you on to stay in touch with you? Yeah. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter. And Instagram, your real Brian Hess. Real Brian Hess with an I. Yeah. So it's just top contractor school and the pavement group. Awesome. Well, thank you again for your time. We're excited to follow along the journey and hopefully we connect again soon. And that's going to wrap up this edition of Con Expo Con Ag Radio. If you like the show and think other people should listen too, make sure to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. We'll be back next time with another great guest. Until that time, be sure to visit conexpoconag.com forward slash connect for even more ways to connect with the industry.